I'm really excited to be doing this sermon series called The Parables of Jesus, but we've got a guest speaker who is kicking it all off, Brad uh, Hubert, who is going to be sharing, and Brad, you can come up. Um, Brad's going to be speaking this morning, which we are really excited. We've had Brad here before. We love having Brad here and share that it feels like uh, he gets us, our congregation, that he can speak to us, uh, that Brad is a friend, Brad is a pastor, an author, uh, and an artist, and I think we're getting all three of those today, aren't we? Yeah, I think so. Okay, uh, so we're just really excited uh, to have Brad being able to share with us this morning. Uh, so yeah, let me pray for you, and we'll get started. Uh, Lord, thank you for Brad. Thank you for the gift that he's been uh, to your kingdom and is uh, to your kingdom, just impacting the lives of the people around him all over the place. God, thank you for his blessing this morning. Uh, be with him as he shares that his spirit uh, fills you. Um, or yeah, that his spirit fills him. Uh, up and as we listen, Lord, just give us ears to hear. And just pray things in your name. Amen. Amen. Take it from here, Brad. All right. Hey, you know, I uh, I'm really happy to be here. I, I I really feel like I'm home when when I come and visit you guys. So good job on welcoming me home. Um, if if you'd like to just leave me some cinnamon buns at the back or something, I'd feel even more at home. But that's up to you. That's up to you. I can see it's not, not really connecting. That's fine. Um, I, uh, as I, you know, it's, you're going to say you're, you're calling us home, but um, then why did you have to Apple map us, Brad? Why did you have to do that? Because I, that's just kind of how I work. Because I, I, totally, I kind of forgot exactly where this church was. Even though I've, I've spoken here before, I'm not great with directions. And so I actually pulled this image up on Apple Maps. And I don't know about you, like when, when I, I don't know what this image does for you. Are you a visual thinker? Anyone a visual thinker? You think, think, think of pictures? Do you hear stuff in your head? I hear stuff and see stuff. My brain's always going. But when I look at this picture, I immediately think that. I think, <laughs> boom. And suddenly, again, I just felt way more at home. Some of you are like, eh, can we move on to dessert? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Now, can I ask a question? Is Pastor Matt here today? Perfect. Okay, because here's my thing. Um, for a low price of only $19.99, I'm going to help you rebrand the whole church. We can vote on it here this morning. He'll just see it later. It'll be great. So I think this is a missed opportunity. How many of you love pizza? Put hands up, right? How many of you love pie? Okay right? So think of all the pizza pie people you could reach if you just rebranded the pizza church or the pizza pie church or something like that. You're welcome. <laughs> See, it's not that hard. Uh, to me, to me, I got, I'm no like genius or anything, but to me, this is a game changer, folks. This is, this is exciting. Um, but speaking of game changing, have you ever noticed, or have you ever asked yourself why game-changing truths don't change the game? Like, don't actually change our lives that often? You ever wondered that? Like, you, you sit here every week, and you, and you hear sermons, the Word of God being preached. How, how many of you could look back over 52 years and go, every single week, game-changing truths, and my game has changed. I am a fundamentally different person than I was a year ago. 
it's quiet here. Okay, so how many of you, as you scroll through your disinformation feeds on your phone, when you see this ray of light, you know, there's a quote, finally, you know, from Adam Grant or from Brene Brown or Maya Angelou or something, and you're like, oh, that is so true. That is a game-changing truth right there. And what do you do? You take a screenshot of that. Maybe you put it on a sticky note. You put it on the fridge. You're like, game-changing truth right there. And then you walk by the fridge, and you're like, I see you. I see you. A week later, it's the guilt note on your fridge because <laughs> it hasn't changed a thing. How many of you have been in a workshop or something, and you're taking notes, and you're like, this is awesome? Except it's not. It doesn't change anything. Have you ever wondered why game-changing truths don't change the game? As we look into the very first parable of your series, I'm going to unpack the parable. And just just to be clear, uh, when I signed up for this, like I I reached out, or Pastor Matt reached out to me and asked me if I'd preach, and he said, we're doing the parables, and we're starting off. And it was a couple of months ago, I said, is the parable of the soils taken? Is the parable of the soils taken? He said, no, it's not. I was like, suckers. I got this one. Because, hey, I don't know what the rest of you chose if you're speaking here. And you're, I, but Jesus actually said, like, this is the mother of all parables. He didn't use those words exactly. It's in the Hebrew. It's just like a little subtle thing. But um, what, he did say, what he did say was that, look, if you don't get this parable, how are you going to get any parable? Like, it's, it's that important. Now, again, um, you know, Colton did a good job explaining what a parable is. Let me just clear it up for you. Uh, do a little bit better than he did. It's, it's made from two words, para, para and bleu. Um, so para means alongside. So Jesus would tell, you're right, it's a story. He would tell like a story, make an analogy that we're supposed to lay alongside of our lives so we can go, oh, okay, I'm seeing the connection here. The word bleu, I have no idea why that's on the end. Because uh, bleu doesn't mean story, so I'm not sure. But we're going to get into this, this parable from Matthew, and Matthew records it. Actually, just just a little side note, Matthew records this. Mark records this parable. Luke records this parable. Do you know what that means? Somebody wrote it. It's like God wrote it down, underlined it, highlighted it. Because this analogy that Jesus gives us, it's a paradigm. And yes, it's supposed to be a game changer. I would go so far as to say that if what I'm going to teach today and what we're going to unpack today doesn't become part of your paradigm for life, like help you understand how to view what's going on in your spiritual life, that we are missing out. Again, because Jesus gave this parable. He said, if you don't get this one, right? So here it is. I I better get into it. So Matthew, we're going to take Matthew's version. Every once in a while, I'm going to quote from the other versions because they add a little nuance that the others don't, don't. So it goes like this. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. So I'm going to do this as I'm, as I'm going here. I got some visual aids. There's the art, Colton. I'm just going to put it over here. Can you get what that is? That's a... It's, it's lines on a paper. It's path. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've got to work. You've got to help me out here. I haven't preached in a long time. So, okay. So then there's this one, the soils. And then I'm going to get into 
The next one, I'm going to read this. That one's my favorite. That's kind of cool. Um, and then at the end, we've got a different picture. Okay, does that make sense? Cool. Okay, so we have the first two. Then when the sun came up, the plants were scorched on the rocky soil. Right? Why? And they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now, at this point, I mean, everyone in his audience that Jesus was speaking to, kind of understood, they understood the analogy, but they're kind of going, they're looking at Jesus with this, like, and kind of look in their minds. And so Jesus launches into this long tirade, and then he gets to this point where he starts to interpret the parable. So I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. But then in verses 18 and 19, this is what Jesus says. This, this, listen to what the parable means. And he starts to give us the answer key. Now, some parables, Jesus doesn't give the answer key. He just goes, here you go. And he just kind of lobs it in, and you're supposed to just wrestle with it. This one, he gives us two anchor truths that we have to grab hold of. And if we grab hold of those anchor truths, the rest of the parable starts to open up to us. Okay, so he says, listen to what the parable means when anyone hears the message about the kingdom. So I'm, gonna, I'm not going to uh, quote it exactly, but here are the two answer keys. And Luke actually gives us, gives us one. It actually states it. Luke's version of this, this parable. The seed is the word of God. The message about the kingdom slash the word of God. Mark and Luke both just say it's the word or the word of God. And then the soil represents the condition of my heart. Okay? Now, in this parable is contained the answer to our question. Why don't game-changing truths change the game for me? Why doesn't God's word, let's say, as I'm reading scripture, and if you're not a Bible person, you're going to still find Jesus incredibly smart on this. You're like, okay, that that's actually pretty smart. That's actually how life works. So you're going to see that. But this answers the question. The seed is the word of God. And what happens to that seed is dependent upon the condition of my heart. Now, this is a really amazing picture. Because do you understand what the word of God is? Can we just rewind just a minute back to the book of Genesis, the very first verses in Scripture? In the beginning, right? In the very beginning, like before time and space, there's only God. And it says that the, the Spirit of God hovered over the primordial waters. And then God, what? He spoke. And what happened? He said, let there be light. And there was light. So when God speaks, stuff happens. So when Jesus says, guys, 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 the word of God is like the seed that I'm planting in you. The same word that, that spoke light into darkness. I'm planting that inside of a person. 
Now, what happens next? I, I need your participation, okay? Can you help me with this? I'm not going to, this is not a setup. I know the pastor's like, can you, can you help me? And then I, I embarrass you and humiliate you in front of your friends. And the camera swings around, you're on, you know, social feet. It's not going to happen. So but all I need you to do is I need you to give me a refrain. I need you to answer me together. Okay, so you're going to say, it was so. Can you practice with me? It was so. Okay, so let's get into this. Okay, so the next thing God does after the light is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase here, is he says, let there be sky, and it was so. And then he said, let dry, dry ground appear, and, okay, and he said, let there be lights in the sky, and a sun to, to rule the, the day, and then the moon to rule the night, and, right? And then he said, let the sea teem with, with living creatures, and, and then let the, the land produce plants and be filled with with land creatures and okay do you see the pattern god speaks and it was so so then he creates adam and eve right in his image he creates adam and then forms eve out of or out of adam's you know his his uh his rib and then what happens he sets him loose in this world that is so. And he gives Adam and Eve a rule. He says, you can eat of any tree in this garden, the Garden of Eden, except one. And it was no. It was no. Like, this is crazy. You understand that we we see from this parable, God's word grows God's world. Like, that's the power of God's word. God's word grows God's world. Let there be light. There's light. Let there be fish. Let there be antelope. Let there be giraffe. And it was so, and it was so, and it was so, it was so. And then Adam and Eve, it was no. So this, this parable gives us the answer to the question. Why don't game-changing truths, why doesn't the word of God change the game for us? Why doesn't it change my life? How come I can read the scripture over and over and over again and it doesn't seem to change much of anything? Like if the scripture's God's word, shouldn't it be able to do in me the kind of things it can do in the cosmos, unchecked? See, the underlying message of this parable is a reality check, two of them actually. And it's that our hearts are hostile to God's word. Like, I, I hate to break it to you, but, but the reason God's word isn't changing the game for you on a regular basis is because your heart is resistant to it. In fact, because of the power of sin, we are twisted inside and out, and we have three, three layers of defense. 
preventing God's word from doing what it's designed to do. If we could just let God's word do what it's designed to do, if Jesus says 30, 60, 100, that's just the tip of the iceberg. It could be 1,000, could be 10,000-fold, because this is what God's word does. Can I get an amen? So how many of you want that? How many of you want to stay here or here or here? How many of you would rather live the kind of life where God's word does in you what it's designed to do? Because this parable doesn't just diagnose our problem. It actually shows us how to cooperate with God in the life change that we desire. We need to understand that our hearts are hostile to God's word. And number two, (laughs) I just want to remind you that this parable is playing out right now. (laughs) Like, I just, I'm reading God's word and it's going out like seed. And some of y'all have already tuned me out. It's bounced off the path. It's not germinating at all. Like, yeah, I heard this before. Been there, done that. You're in the parable. Some of you are going to get super excited about what I'm sharing this morning and you're going to grab hold of this thing and you're going to take it home and you're going to read your notes and go, this seems so exciting when I was there. Some of you are going to try to take it to heart and, and, and it's, it's going to grow some roots in you, but it's never going to produce 30, 60, 100 fold what it could produce because the parable is us. Like, we're living this. Me, I, the pastor too. So let's get into this interpretation. Let's, let's figure out what these mean so that we can understand how to counteract them. Sound like a plan? Okay, so let's get into it really quick. So back up. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes. Oh, honey, hi. Can I get those little cards from you? I just, I really would need those. I didn't, I didn't, I'm not trying to get you to meet my wife. This is Shauna. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll do good. I'll do gooder next time. Okay. So, thank you, hon. Um, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom, doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Now, the path represents our habits. Our habits. Can you see that? Why do I say that? Why do I say our paths represent our habits? What's a path? Dictionary says that a path is a way or a track made by continuous treading. It's a path because we walk it over and over and over again. It's a habit. I don't want you to get the impression that habits are evil. They're actually a God-given faculty of our human personality. So they serve a specific purpose. We need to understand that purpose if we want to counteract them. See, the purpose of a habit is to help us automate things. Like if you didn't have any habits in your life, every single moment of your life, you'd be having to think and choose and decide what you're doing. So instead, what your brain will do is it will, it will create a habit around something you've done over and over and over again so that when you find yourself in that position, it goes, hey, your brain's like, I got this. I've seen this before. 
it's cool with you. I'm just going to run a little script. We're just going to go through the motions. That's okay. Which is how some of you got to church this morning. You drove here and you have no idea. You can't remember a single thing about the drive. It's a path. It's a habit, right? It automates things. Now, the, the weakness of a habit is that you ain't thinking. You're just doing. It, you're on autopilot. It's just, you're not thinking, you're just doing. Now, what, what the parable says is that when God tries to plant seeds and those seeds encounter habits, our paths, what happens? It bounces right off. Why? Because we're too busy motoring along on our old ideas and our old way of thinking, our old way of doing, our old way of choosing, our old way of speaking, our old way of managing conflict, our old way of handling our money. You name it. If it ain't broke, why fix it? That's, that's the habit. So what's got to happen somehow is that God is going to have to disrupt our paths, which we don't like. We hate it when our lives change and our paths are disrupted. He's like, well, if that doesn't change, the enemy's going to come in because that seed's going to bounce right off. The enemy's like, well, I'll just take that before that sinks in and bears fruit because we wouldn't want it bearing 30, 60, 100 fold. And before we know it, this is is what happens. You're here and you're you're hearing the word of God. You're hearing this message. And then right after I'm done, you're like, well, about time for lunch. It's happening. So that's the pass. That's the pass. Our habits. Number two, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The rocky soil represents our faulty convictions. Our faulty convictions. Why do I say that? Because these are truths we actually like. We notice. It actually, it doesn't just bump into the way we've always done it. It gets past that layer of defense in us. (laughs) And we're like, this is really cool. And we let it germinate in us. We let it take up some real estate in us, you know? It starts to grow some roots in us. But then what happens? Those roots bump into things we already believe. Not just beliefs, convictions. They bump into things where we're hardened on an issue. and We're not willing to budge. Why, Why do I say belief and not conviction? Because a belief could just be a fact. You could swap it out easily for another fact, but a conviction. If, if you argue with people online, you're not arguing about facts. You're not arguing about information or beliefs. You are arguing on the level of conviction. A conviction is a belief with an emotion wrapped around it. So, so that's why when you, man, you hit somebody's conviction, they're like, oh, like the whole demeanor changes. And the reason it's emotional is because they've lived something that has reinforced that belief. It's charged with negative emotion sometimes, right? And they, they ain't willing to budge because the last time I trusted a guy, he broke my heart and I'm never doing that again, right? You can go, well, statistically, you could, like that has nothing to do with it. You're bumping into a conviction. 
So, so God tries to plant seeds in our hearts, and we're like, I like this. This is really cool, right? But then it starts to grow roots in us, and it bumps into things we already believe, or like, easy there. Not going to give that one up. Oh, no, but you can trust the Holy Spirit. You can trust a good father and getting to know people in new relationships. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But last time, so that one's off the table. No fly zone. No fly zone. And then as soon as the heat turns up, as soon as the, the word starts to cost you something, out it goes or it shrivels and dies because you haven't let it go deep. How many of you know that even right now, if some by some miracle... What I'm saying has made it past our paths. It is going to have to displace things we already believe in order to grow roots that are deep enough to survive. In particular, this is a paradigm. So you might have a paradigm that that works in life. And Jesus is saying, yeah, that's going to have to go. You're going to have to adopt this paradigm. Right? And so so we got to figure this out somehow. Now, third one. Is this making sense? Like too much sense? Yeah, I get it. (laughs) Believe me, I'm like, oh, I'm such a hypocrite preaching it. Okay, so last one. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and then Mark chapter 4, Mark's version adds, and the desires for other things choke the word, making it unfruitful. So, To be clear, got past the first layer of our habits and paths, the autopilot. We've actually let it germinate. It's actually grown roots. We've actually done some heart work to let go of, repent of some things that we believed that need to go in order for those roots to go even deeper. But now, somehow, it still gets choked out by our energies. The reason I say energies is because we're dealing with thorns. We're dealing with weeds. How many of you are garden people at all? Anyone? Six people. Awesome. The rest of you have like gravel in your yards. Perfect. (laughs) Wood chips. It's a wood chip. Our neighbors have wood chips everywhere. But what's a weed? What's a weed? Has it ever occurred to you that a weed, what did someone say? Our teenager. No, that's a barnacle. That's different. Um, <laughs> a weed. See, see if, what, if, if I want to grow thistles because I like the big purple flowers, is that a weed? No. If I plant a beautiful you know, plant in my little shaded area, and I realized that it's an invasive species, and now, so I started out as a plant that I want, and now it becomes a weed, because it's taking over. What's a weed? A weed is something that's growing, and remember, this is happening in my heart. A weed is something that is growing in my heart, that is taking up real estate and energy and resources and time and, and water and moisture and sunlight that should be devoted to what God is trying to grow in me. It represents the things I'm feeding. If there's a weed in your heart, it's there because you're feeding it. 
We're giving it energy. It's there because we want it to be at some level. So Jesus is saying, look, if, if my word manages to get past this layer and germinate, if it's able to actually grow roots and go deep, you repent of that stuff, you've also then got to reallocate energy away from some things in your life to give energy to the thing that God is trying to plant. If you do not do this, it will never do, God's word will never do what it's designed to do. Weeds represent our misplaced energies. But the seed on good soil, the one we really want, stands for those of the noble, and this is from uh, Luke's version, a noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. How many of you open your Bibles and you read it for six minutes, and you're like, I ain't getting out of it. Didn't do anything for me. Well, first of all, if it didn't resonate at all, you're dealing with the path, right? It's just, it's just bummed. You're just not seeing the need. Like, I'm fine. I'm just doing what I'm doing. I don't see if it ain't broke, right? If I persevere and I let God disrupt my paths, if I let him disrupt and uproot things that or like pull out these rocks, these things I'm hardened on and let me soften to God's word so it can take up even more space in my roots. And if I let him change the way my energy is allocated, if I persevere, then God's word produces the crop. Just like in the book of Genesis, we are the bottleneck. And this is how God is calling us forward. Here's a truth that I want you to grab hold of this morning as I move into my closing. Our heart is a garden that grows what we value. Can I rephrase it? Your heart is a garden that grows what you value. And Jesus would couple this with a a saying, this is a paraphrase, And fruit doesn't lie. Fruit doesn't lie. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Bad tree can't produce good fruit, he says. So look at the fruit of your life. Ask yourself, what is God's word doing inside of me? So the hardball truth is that we all suffer from multiple heart conditions. The good news is, because of the gospel, none of those conditions are permanent. They're all reversible. All of these things can change. Now, I know that I've just touched the the tip of the iceberg. You guys made the mistake of inviting me back in August. And so I I think I'm going to do part two of this message in August. Would that be cool? I would love to do that. Okay, so... In closing now, what I'm going to leave you with, and uh, worship team, this is the big whatever. that. <laughs> What's the signal? I don't know. Handshake. Um, here's, the, here's some questions 
that I want to leave you with. As you're reading God's word, don't just go, okay, God, thank you. Thank you so much. What should I do with it? Now you know. There's way more going on than than you realized. As you grab hold of a truth, you can ask the Holy Spirit, which of my habits does this need to disrupt? Uh, What faulty convictions does this truth need to replace in me? How should I reallocate my energy to feed this truth so it can mature and bear fruit in me? Let me give you just one closing example, and then I'm done. A week and a half ago or so, I'm having my quiet time with Jesus. I'm, I'm reading through the Psalms. I actually just I picked a Psalm kind of at random, and it was Psalm 72. Psalm 72 is an interesting Psalm. David is praying for Solomon, and Solomon is an adult. So a prayer for adult children. How's that for practical for some of you? So, and he's praying for his son, and as I'm reading this, two things happen. I realize, oh, I don't pray for my kids nearly enough. And the second thing I realize is as David's praying for Solomon, he's got this like prophetic vision for Solomon's life. He's like claiming promises and declaring them out. I'm like, oh, that's deep. Do I have, I mean, I had it when they were young, like parent-child dedication, you know, like this is what we pray will happen in this person's life. Like whatever happened to that? Okay, what's just happened? God's disrupted my path. What I normally do, I don't pray enough for my kids, right? So now I've got to let it do some work in me. I mean, if I truly believed on a conviction level that my kids' destinies were at least partly tied to how I pray for them, would I pray for them more? Yeah. So there's something in me that's got to be repented of and displaced, or this thing will not take root. God convince me. And by the way, the word faith means to be persuaded. So persuade me where I'm unpersuaded. Something's got to change. Then, my, my calendar is already full. My day timer's already full. My energy's already spent. I'm already tired. So now what am I going to have to do? Reallocate some energy I was giving to other things, weeds, so that I can let this thing that God is planting in me grow. And this isn't a one-time decision, as gardeners know. This takes an entire season of cultivating to let something grow. If you persevere, you will see a crop. And that's starting to happen, by the way as I'm starting to persevere, even just in a week and a half, we've seen some amazing answers to prayer in our kids' lives. So, I think I'm done. Can I pray for you? I would love that. Hmm. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Can I just say, Lord, you are brilliant. Like, I know there's a whole other ways of looking at this parable, like if I'm the one sharing the word and what to expect. And, but I'll, I'll, here's my thing, Jesus. 
I want to be a better steward of your word because I'm seeing in this moment how powerful it can be. And I'm guessing people in this room are seeing the same thing. So Holy Spirit, would you please convict us? Would you help us to get past our paths and our habits? Would you disrupt our our habits, replace our faulty convictions, help us reallocate our energies around the thing you were trying to grow in us so that it can produce the crop that you intend? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Isn't it amazing that uh, this is what God wants for our lives? That God wants us to flourish. That he wants us to experience life. He wants us to experience life to the fullest. And what does it actually look like in our lives? And as Brad was sharing, um, I think quite often there can be many things that actually get in the way of this. This is what God has. I want us to like to remember this image because this is what God has for us. It's not this. It's not this. It's not this. It's this. Right? This is what God wants for us. I think quite often we feel like we, maybe we have to do that journey alone. And we're trying to conquer all of these things alone. That yes, we can go to God, but there is power uh, in community. There's power in people. Um, so if there's anything that's going on in life, you know, maybe it's some of these habits or convictions or energies and these things that are actually getting in the way of flourishing. Um, I just want to uh, invite you to prayer. That SunWest, we offer prayer teams at the uh, end of the service. Feel free to come forward. If you're online, we have an email uh, that, you can, that you can email and that we can pray for you, that we don't want to do this journey of flourishing together. We want to flourish, or sorry, doing this journey of flourishing alone. We want to do this journey together with you. Um, so I just want to invite you uh, up for prayer or even uh, to share that with somebody either in your community or somebody you trust, that these things that you're going to so you can actually experience uh, God's flourishing so that it is no longer, it is no, so that it can actually be, it is so in our lives. So let's just pray, God, thank you. Thank you that you actually have flourishing in mind for us. That as a good father, that that is what you have prepared and let us, God, actually just sit there. Give us a picture in our minds of what that actually looks like. What does flourishing look like? What do we need to do to get there? Because you are fixing our hearts. You're mending what's broken. And we thank you for that. God, thank you that we can live life and live life to the fullest because of you and who you are, what you've done, and what you're doing. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.